Hello and welcome to this episode of the Coaching Podcast from British Canoeing Awarding Body. Hi everyone and uh, welcome to the British Canoeing Awarding Body Coaching Podcast. Uh, my name is Lee Pooley, I'm the Director of Coaching and Qualifications and today I am joined by Tony, Tony from Team British Canoe Club and uh yeah thanks very much for for uh, making the time to come and talk to us today oh it was a great pleasure to, to be on air so to speak lee yeah <laughs> brilliant um tony we we've had a lot of correspondence over the last couple of years and um met up for coffees and um had lots of email exchanges etc and um just felt that it was a real good opportunity to probably and broadcast our conversations a little bit further and um, to be able to um, share some of the great things that are going on within your aspect of of your of your um, very successful club so um would, would you mind um giving us a bit of an intro um about yourself and and you know who you are and, and what you do and then we'll get on with um the you know the the subject which is basically your club and the and how you how you treat learning development within the club yeah sure um so from my own perspective um i'm whitewater leader i'm currently in the performance coach program and uh so i'm, I'm a keen recreational kayaker uh, like i'm sure many of your listeners and then i also am uh the current chair of teambridge canoe club and and there within that role i also sit in terms of trying to steer our training program and um oversight with regards to safety as well Brilliant. Um, and to give the to give the um, to give the listeners a bit of a feel of the club, and I think that's really important. Is is what is the club? Where is it? Um, I know it. I know it really well because I paddle past it quite often. Um, uh, give us a bit of a flavour of it, the types of activities you do, um, and then we'll delve in a little bit further. Yeah, sure. So uh, we're based uh, very nicely down on uh, Timber Seafront. And, and Lee, you've never popped in, although we, we might not have been there. Um, but uh, yeah, we're, we're, our clubhouse is right on the seafront uh, at Timber. So we're really lucky because essentially we've got our six monthly uh, season up on Dartmoor and on uh, local rivers for white water. And then we've got our, you know, the other half of the year to be able to enjoy the sea. So we're in an absolutely perfect position to be able to enjoy so much uh, that's available within the sport just because of where we're located most of our members are in the local area but also we have we have members uh, who join us from up nearly as far as bristol uh, and down towards cornwall so actually our reach is uh, it's it's surprisingly extensive as well uh, we reached a membership of just about 120 at uh, our AGM in October last year, um, growing quite quickly and recovering quickly following COVID. And um, we're at a level now which is sort of parallel with where we have been as a club over the last 30 years in terms of its, if its peak numbers. But we're still growing. We're, we're receiving inquiries every month, and that's absolutely fantastic uh, and exciting as well. Um, in terms of we have our standard committee and then we've also got other subgroups we've got our leadership group uh, we've got a new sheep paddles group um we've got our clear access clear waters group so within that umbrella of our club we've got lots of subgroups who are doing their their great work as well uh we reached bc quality club uh, a couple of years ago and then last year we were given um 
talent champion club status and also the clear access clear waters so you know we've really tried to move things forward um in in a really positive direction yeah it sounds a, it sounds a really thriving and busy busy club um and you talk about you know that that geographical widespread in terms of all the way from bristol i mean that's a that's a heck of a a drive to 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 join in on a paddle but um what about the what about the demographics of the membership you know could you give us a bit of a flavor on that as well yeah so in terms of demographics uh we are generally of the more mature um age range um and, and i say that smilingly because i'm definitely one of those at uh, in my mid 50s um yeah i i would say we're i mean without looking at the stats so i haven't got them right to hand right now but we're generally 40 years and above we have got some junior paddlers who are coming along with their parents, which is fantastic. Mum and dad uh, can like to paddle and, and bring along their, their junior as well. And so we've got a small uh, group of juniors there. Um, where in terms of male, female, we're 40% uh, female and 50% um, uh, men. So we've got a, a great um, you know, active involvement there uh, from, from the ladies and looking to grow that. Our local area is 50-50 in terms of uh, male, female. So our club, well, our club, I think, should reflect that as well. Mm -hmm. So our demographic, you know, we would like to grow the junior and the younger age groups. Um, it's always been difficult. It requires a lot of resource, a lot of support. Um, but it does seem to work particularly well where family membership um, definitely is, is an active way of both juniors and the adults, their parents coming along at the same time. That works really, really well. And um, in terms of in terms of, you know, you're on the committee, you, you're actively involved. You do a hell of a lot for the for the club, Tony, is, you know, what what do you believe is a member's expectation when they take part in a paddle sport activity? with the club yeah it's, it's interesting as I, I you know you, you sent me a couple of questions just to think about and i know you're going to ask some um others as well but you know what do our paddlers expect and we could easily um say what well, people want to have fun they want to paddle they want to explore their skills improve and enjoy the amazing local environment as well as having that that community around uh, around the club in terms of people um and a society where people can have a beer after they've paddled and and, and chat and have a, a good time we uh, a couple of years ago in fact three years ago when i became chair uh we wrote our own vision and we created that vision out of saying and this was from the committee members at the time so what are what are the values that you'd like our club to behold and and what are the behaviors that bring those values to life so let me just share this with you. So our vision is Teambridge Canoe Club believes in respect for our members, our community and our environment, that every member can be themselves, grow and develop as they wish to be inspired to find their adventure, to progress their skills where our sport is accessible for all in a safe, supportive and fun club community. This is our club. Now, you could say, yes, but, you know, that that's a vision. Anybody can have those words, but they those words came from existing members and i think is that what people expect i would hope so and certainly something i'm passionate about is that whatever that level of challenge somebody wants to uh to challenge themselves with is that hey that's their challenge let's help our club members reach that personal challenge and um, maybe that challenge that level of challenge may change as people get more competent or 
feel braver. Um, but our job, I feel, is to help people do that. And if we do that in a really rich way, people will stay with the club and then we have an even stronger community. So we, we will hopefully see less of a churn of members joining for a year and stepping away, but maybe they'll join and grow. Even if they start to paddle less, they enjoy the environment of the club. And that that is what creates that strong foundation for that club to um, stay solid, uh, stay solid through difficult times, such as a prime example is COVID, and from which we can grow succession. And, you know, if if I finish as chair, when I do at some point, I'm only there for a period of time. My legacy really is leaving the club in a strong place for somebody else to step into my shoes. That's the way I see it. It's not about me and the club at this moment in time. It's, it's about actually what, what are we trying to deliver for the future for that club, for those members and for me too, to enjoy it. Yeah. And Tony, you, you mentioned that you, you mentioned within that, you know, within that, um, you know, agreed, agreed sort of philosophy really for the club is you mentioned the word safe and you know in in terms of you know a lot of people when they join clubs um and rightly so they they probably take a leap of faith don't they that they are going to be safe you know and we can put it in if we wanted to use you know three captured areas is um safeguarding safety and and well-being and you know um how do you as a how do you as a chair as a committee um ensure that those three three areas are being are being delivered because we we all have an expectation we just we just expect it's going to be when we when we join something or we ask someone to do something we we take a leap of faith that that's going to be there isn't it yeah i absolutely and i think you know, when we go along to an outdoor centre or a club, we, we want to have a great safe time, don't we? And so should we be able to do that? I I think for a club or any organisation, actually, you have to have a culture of safety. Now, you might walk onto that building site, that construction site, and it says, you know, uh, safe home every day, you know, safety first. But that's a sign you have to bring it to life. You You have to live it. And one person, you know, saying that all the time doesn't work you have to have that culture from you know all the paddlers through uh, their various levels of safety through to coaches and leaders and and arriving at the committee so i think that cultural uh that culture of safety is absolutely paramount and then we can build on the details about how we bring that to life so yes we should look out for each other we should encourage that and that can work well. We've got our leaders and coaches, but we've been assigning assistants to help them so that those people develop and grow and notice how, how it is to lead a pod, how it is to help somebody onto the water, to coach them so that we are constantly creating that culture. In terms of that safety, there's lots of things that we've been doing that do reflect organizations so for example our competency framework for all of our qualified paddlers and those that we as a committee have agreed to sign off what is our framework and what we've done is made sure that mirrors what bc would expect so that is that you've got your cbd points in in line your first aid three-year ticket your safeguarding ticket um and if that person hasn't as yet qualified if they are of sufficient competence 
that also we can tick that box in terms of their competence, their individual skills, their group skills, their rescue skills, their incident management skills, the same modular framework that you have when you sign somebody off at an assessment for a qualification. So that safety has been built in there. Uh, the equipment, um, we've agreed as a club now that all safety equipment must be churned, must be changed with no more than five years on its label. So helmets, PFDs, no argument, they get changed. And the guys did their equipment audit only a couple of weeks ago and the buckets there ready to go to the dump. It's, it's, it's pretty harsh, it's tough. That's money that the club spent, but that is the level of safety that we, we know is, th there's our line, as volunteers or as, as the workforce in the club, we don't need to worry about that. It's five years, it's moved by the new kit. That's what we're doing actually this weekend. And in terms of having that safety framework, the risk assessments, you know, when we go on the water, we need to make sure we've got a level, uh, a level of competence that we can trust amongst all of our leaders when they go out. So we, we've got a very good risk assessment process, but we are exploring a um, on your phone format, which means that actually we can be even better. And that actually, brings us into safeguarding because we can do our risk assessment but actually we want to record our safeguarding at the same time who, who are we taking on the water where's the parent is the parent being engaged with in terms of knowing exactly what's going to be going on where is the parent if we need that parent um, those in case of emergency contact details and we need to record that so that new risk assessment that we're, we're trialing we're going to trial it up until the first of september so for every trip all the leaders are trying it out is that that then records our risk assessment, which means we're safe on the water, our safeguarding, which means that that's recorded automatically, and also that any reporting is brought into that and um, first aid and near misses. But actually, since we last spoke, uh, I've now put in an extra uh, filter, which is to do with, you know, uh, notable events, whatever that might be. So we've added that in because of our conversation. So lots of layers for safety in terms of practically when we paddle as part of the infrastructure. But I'm slightly, you know, I'm not being particularly clear here in some respects, but that culture also starts with our training. So each year for the last couple of years, we've put a group of people through FSRT. That will now be the new version, the new course. And um, those people hopefully will then go on to be future assistant leaders, potentially paddle sport uh, leaders as well. So. We're creating that body of people who can assist the leaders of getting in and out at a difficult access or just assisting with a, a casualty in the water while that leader gets the group together. But we're building that depth of safety cover within the club as well. And that just builds more and more safety. So we've got safety in terms of our organisation. We've got safety when the leader gets on the water. And we've got safety in terms of that depth of help within the club as well so that's that's how i see it coming together and that's all before we can start thinking about training people to be leaders or training people in paddle skills all that safety net has to be brought together first um and, and i do think this is where it's a really really difficult area for clubs but safeguarding you know we've agreed that nobody can coach or assist coaching the safeguarding ticket isn't in place of course you can't excuse that. that that is where we have to be 
We've agreed that as peer paddles, for peer paddles, a really active part of the sport, that, you know, we, we, we would say members go off and enjoy your peer paddles, but you can't promote that event on a club official channel. That's your peer-to-peer -peer paddle elsewhere. Uh, have fun, be safe, uh, and come back and join a club trip. Our club trips are put into a program. They're also put on our um, Google Calendar. They're promoted. Then when people are interested, they join, uh, they connect with the leader. We have a WhatsApp group where all the discussion goes on about the trip and the conditions and what to take and how exciting it's going to be and how many penguins we're going to see and how many seals we're going to see. And it's that fun stuff that also comes into that. So all of that works. But these, are, these can be difficult discussions within a club. But I think, well, in fact, I know we, we, we have to get these things aligned so that our club members not only feel safe, but are safe as far as we possibly can create that safe situation in a, you know, in, in an outdoor environment. Um, uh, uh, that absolutely sounds like, you know, you, the, the club has gone through a significant change in, in, in terms of, the, you know, getting processes and, and, and procedures in, in place. Um, I think it, what I don't, what I'd like to be able to sort of, you know, sort of delve into a little bit is you talk about leaders and coaches and you make reference to, to British Canoe and Awarding Body qualifications. Can you give us a bit of a, a flavour of how they're actually, how you use qualifications within the club? Yeah, so, I mean, this is evolving, it's fair to say, for us as a club. So when newer paddlers start or those with less experience, we start off with a taster session, then an induction. And then we step into the BC framework. So we start and then discover and explore. So essentially, those are really focused on during the summer months when we're on our seafront uh, location, trying to build those skills. Uh, and we'll build in rescue skills into that uh, for the more advanced, as well as those that are stepping from dis discover onto explore. So that the whole objective there is building that competency, that confidence um being able to have fun and relax on the water from that if we know that somebody is of an explore level then we know that they can probably paddle in a sensible light or low sea state for a sensible period of time so those paddlers can then start to enjoy the club trips that we have organized every single weekend so that's the first part of the framework the second part of the framework is that whilst those people are building competence they then can be ready to step into the the first stages of leadership and I, and I actually see what was fsrt and now the paddle sport safety and rescue is as a as a place where people start to feel responsible start to think about the environment more so so what we've done uh, for example last year six paddlers went on to fsrt um and now I, I'm hoping that they are feeling ready to step on into um, paddle sport leader training this summer. So they would do a two day training this summer. If we then go back a step, those that are going to reach explore standard this summer will then step into that new equivalent of SR, FSRT. And then next year will hopefully be stepping into paddle sport leader. The following year, if people aren't quite ready, let that uh, learning and training bed in. Hopefully they then are ready for paddle sport leader assessment. And so that that's how I see that 
that using the framework that's logical, that's clear, that's been all thought out for us by, by you guys to then step through succession so that we build and build and build this, this stronger club that's got competency and safety at its heart, coming right the way back to your first point. And then in time, hopefully some of those paddle sport leaders can step into slightly more advanced leading or um, maybe uh, level one coaching, et cetera. So, so that's, that's then that step. But it's, it's not quite as clear. I mean, that's the structure, but finding the right people and those people volunteering as well, it's, it's that, that's also an issue in a way because we need those people to come through. And, and that, that loops all the way back around to having a strong club because if we've got a strong club of 120 people, we're more likely to find those people that will work the way through in time to whitewater leader or sea kayak leader. It takes time, doesn't it? But if we only have a club of, let's say, 40 people and our club is not growing or there aren't new people coming in, then that's going to be really difficult to grow that, that succession within that club. It's going to be, I think it's going to be more difficult. We're going to be more reliant on a few, aren't you? Um, so, yeah, so that's how we're using the framework. And then around that framework, um, we've got the CPD points um, that we're, we're brought in to help those current leaders, even if they qualified a while ago, to keep in ticket, uh, to be able to share their knowledge and experience, which is vast. Um, and that well, again, is... helps the club grow and step forward. Yeah, go on, Lee. So yeah, Tony, that's that's what I wanted to. Uh, I mean, that, this is this is uh, this is great, and um, uh, what I wanted to explore in a lot more depth is is your CPD program because, um, as as listeners might be aware, is um, several years ago, quite a few years ago now, is that um, we we created more CPD opportunities for people um, for coaches leaders and instructors to to go to keep revalidated they need to have 20 cpd points um but they are in a better position to choose what they need um and um and for clubs they can create their own cpd programs and you've really embraced this you know and i remember i mean i remember meeting up at uh meeting up for a a, a chat with you and you know you just get sort of to grips with it could you could you explain how you go about this CPD process? Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's um, it's it's been it's been it's taken a while to shape, um, but hopefully you know this podcast uh, can show that actually it's it is actually really straightforward. So we as a club, I think for something like thirty years, have had our whitewater safety day. We do that up on the dart, and lots of other clubs do very very similar, if not pretty much identical. It worked brilliantly. We had a morning session on dry land and an, an afternoon session jumping in the water and uh, practicing rescue rescue lines. So in fact, the club had a course that was there. But to meet the CBD point requirement, I felt that for us to be able to award those points, we really wanted to make sure it, it was validated, that it, it, it was credible in the eyes of BC. So that if British Canoeing, you you say, well, look, we're coming down to actually look at the courses you've been delivering. I want you to go, wow, that's really good. Uh, that is delivering real value. And also to be credible in the eyes of our club members that are coming along, particularly those who are experienced. So 
essentially we took that whitewater uh, safety day just um really didn't change anything but just mapped it out as a proper lesson plan so that it ticked those boxes in terms of reflective practice the content sharing of information peer review um and that both the, the providers from within the club were also reflecting on what they were going to deliver that session as well as those receiving that information information were able to reflect on that challenge back ask more questions and share and open up that discussion with other club members now that worked really really well the first time we did that i didn't feel it was still quite ready to be turned into uh those specific points so I was I was a bit frustrated, if I'm honest, at the time, because on the website it says well, you can get this amount of points, but I was being a bit pedantic and I wanted it really, really honed down. So I went to, to Daryl Shaw. Daryl was amazingly patient, really, really helpful. I sent him the uh, the the, the, the course that we had delivered, and he said, "Well, okay, that that's worth 15 points. The even better if is if you added in some." Uh, notes to reflect on and and, uh, and review before people arrived and we we did the same follow-up notes afterwards and we just honed a couple of little points there then actually we can turn that into being 20 points so the following year uh, we actually delivered a sea kayak safety day uh, which was new i believe to the club mirrored really and based on the white water course the sea kayak course was only dry land it's in april it's difficult to do um you know practice in the water at that time it's very very it can be very cold and unpredictable the weather but anyway we put together a course using that structure i discussed with daryl and yes that was that was signed off so that's now our template so we tick those boxes of notes sent out or video links before the course we've got a course structure which covers elements of input and content as well as reflective practice as well and allowing time for that and we add in content which refers to demos or practical sessions as well and then we send those follow-up notes as well so there's our structure i know that bc effectively sign that off and say yeah that's good work so we can continue delivering that after each course um, each individual that attended gets a certificate with a unique certificate number on it with the modules that we covered on that course and then those leaders that need to submit that simply upload them so we did um uh, in fact did a survey yesterday before coming um on, onto this uh podcast and, and we said you know how do people how do leaders and coaches feel about uh those sessions and it, essentially what came back was that and i just need to find it actually um yeah, so of, of the 12 leaders, we've got 14 active leaders in the club. Uh, 19 in total are engaged with leading because some are aspiring to be leaders and going through the training process at the moment. But the question was, is providing CBD points for club training uh, a good thing? 12 out of 12 said yes. Do these points help keep you in ticket as a qualified coach or leader with a CBD requirement of 20 points every three years? So 10 said yes. Um, and would you recommend our club training to other club members who may not have attended as yet? So uh, 10 out of 12 there. So overall, we've got a really strong level of feedback on those CBD points being of value 
to existing leaders or coaches. So, yeah. Sorry, Tony, I think that's great. So you've got a model. Have you got anything up your sleeve? You know, if you're going to are you designing something else for the club in terms of the next the next CPD points? Oh, don't start coming up with ideas, Lee. Um, <laughs> so, well, we did do something really, um, which was really different. Uh, we started back with our winter pool sessions this autumn, and they came up with the idea. Well, there's there's about ten of us that are helping people learn to roll, and we've all got our own different styles. And so we. Um, asked Lindsay McPhee of LM Coaching to come along um, to coach the trainers, to coach the coaches as to how to roll. And actually from that um, two hour session in the pool, uh, we were able to award some CBD points for that as well. And, and some of the leaders really liked an external provider coming in to coach us on, you know, a specific skills aspect um, to earn their points. And I think that's, that is, if we, if we look at these CBD points and say, OK, we've got a great framework, it's working really, really well, um, what could make it even better? And I think external providers or professional providers, you know, are superb at what they do. Um, up to date, you know, um, they challenge us in that training. They inspire us in that training. Uh, that's how I feel anyway. And so we could certainly bring that into some of our CBD training. Uh, without question i mean one of the 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 issues with that is well how do we fund that um but there are other ways around that uh, if a leader really wants that training maybe we can all contribute some money into that pot but it's also as it as was the case with uh, with lindsay the club decided to invest that money in the coaches because it's a really important part of our club's development which is helping people learn to roll so you know, it's good to try things, and um, that could be one area where we could bring in external uh, providers into that. We also, though, have been trying to bring in, um, use the CPD point sessions in another way, which is helping those who are developing their leadership and coaching skills to be able to hone their skills with their live audience in sharing their information. Because we've seen this uh, with, with, with Two, two of the guys in particular, but going away and investing that in that preparation time is a really valuable exercise to then share with the club. I think it's just, you know, a fantastic way of looking that CBD points isn't just about points, it's about how can you use it to, to help people grow. So it gives a chance, for, as I said, for those people who are growing to grow even more. And it also gives that chance to bring in external experts, which we haven't done really is yet for our cbd program but it's definitely something we could do um in terms of where do we go next with cbds i, I think just having done um, a survey so I, I it's interesting just some of the feedback that came back from the general club and the general club really really warms to um to, to what we're doing i mean you know fantastically well but how can we actually take that further so what do points mean to the person that isn't looking to get qualified? Why do I need points? Well, you don't. That's the bottom line. So how does that work? And I think I need to personally explore that a little bit more. That is the value of a certificate really, really, is it of high value to somebody to say, I, I attended a really good course 
And look, I've got a bit of paper that says, well done. Hopefully for some that will feel really good. For others, it will mean that if you're going along to expect to get points, then actually that also means that as individuals delivering that course, we need to make sure we've upped our game and we're delivering a good course, you know, um, so that ups our game. But also for the leader, once you've got your 20 points, what do you do next? Do I have to keep working at it? If you want it to be continual professional development, we want it to be continual. We want our leaders coming along to each of these sessions, contributing, but also, you know, and sharing, uh, but also um, learning maybe hopefully uh, a thing or two. So once they've got those points, where's the incentive? Uh, and there's something I, I know I mentioned to you as well, is 20 points too little? Or is there another way where we can show that record to people, which is like, yeah, I, I've invested this amount of time mm. and I've learned this amount. I don't know the answer to that, but that's something also I need to think about. I think if the learning environment is rich enough, the points just come as 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 an additional benefit. So may, maybe this is something I need to think about. We as a team need to think about is how do we create a really um, learning rich environment that people just go, yeah, it, you know what, that course is good every time. I've been to three of these and this course was different again. How do they keep doing that? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it definitely, you know, for, for everyone listening, I mean, it sounds such a vibrant club. It sounds like you've, you've put a huge amount of time into um, policies and processes. It's almost like um, it probably is not the, what, not the word that people like to hear but you, you've had to sort of almost develop the governance to be able to then move into the next phase which is it's obviously coming to fruition now and it most certainly feels like it's doing it doing that in that particular way um so i really appreciate tony you know your time to just to you know to amplify what you do at the club what other people do at the club and the focus on learning and development in terms of that created almost a culture of safety i mean it's it's, it's really phenomenal in what mm. you've done um so yeah so thank you tony um i've got a i've got more of a personal question because it it just sounds like wow you're just doing loads in terms of for the do you actually get out paddling for yourself do you do you, do you paddle at the club do you do you run sessions it'd be just nice to hear what you know because oh. you're doing huge amounts in terms of processes and, and and making sure everyone is is all ticking along, what what do you do? Well, the first thing I'd say is it's not a one man team. You know, you you it's a really strong committee. Other uh, guys and girls put loads of effort in, and then we've got all the other people around who are doing you know lots of other work, assisting, helping, and actually just taking part. So if you don't have that, uh, one person can't do it, and it's certainly not just me. I, I'm just coming up with ideas and and we're shaping them as we go along so uh you know that's the the first point in terms of me um yeah i i think i go on almost every single club paddle there is if i can um so last saturday we we're on the uh river x we're at that x canals lovely shelter paddle beautiful sunshine uh, and a pub um uh, at the end point and halfway back so that wasn't bad was it uh we had about 14 people on that what are we doing this weekend this weekend is a bit different because it's April. April is a bit of a difficult month. So we, uh, this committee plus uh, a few other people, we're going down to AS Water Sports, a bit of a plug for them because they're great. But we're um, 
going to try out some different sea kayaks for the club. Um, and then we're having a bit of a demo from one of our leaders on how to pack a sea kayak because we're going to be uh, paddling the Great Glen. I think there's quite a excuse me, sizable group of us paddling from uh, Fort William to Inverness in May. So I'm on that one. I I've got my... Um, I've, I've got the different what well, my hair net for the bugs and beetles up there the midges that's the one um so yeah for me i, I actually I, I just love seeing um everybody enjoying themselves so for me it's it doesn't matter whether it's white water sea kayaking surf or or sheltered water um i i like to get out there it it is in fact we chatted a bit before we came on air didn't we about paddling and enjoying our spare time lee and for me that's the time when I get my headspace. That's the time when I get my uh, my therapy away from my day job. Uh, and it's really, really important, really important. And you, you actually mentioned that question about well-being, didn't you? And it's it's easier to think about the well-being of others and to forget yourself. Um, yeah, th there's times when I get, you know, really probably over-consumed with, you know, club work on top of my, my business life. Um, but that's what I think we've got to be really aware of is saying, look, this this is it's a club. We're passionate about doing a great job, but also we need to balance that with making sure we have fun as well. And it, it's really, really important. Plus, also, you know what? I need to keep fit. <laughs> and I've been eating too many pub meals recently. So, you know, I need to get out and uh, and, and have that fun as well. Yeah. Tony, I mean. I, I know you, you, you're a very humble person, but, um, you know, listening to you, you're an absolute inspiration for lots of people to, you know, the energy and the enthusiasm you have and the, 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 the amount of time and capacity you put into your club. And I know there is others, um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's absolutely fantastic to talk to you today. So uh, um, I'll leave you to it because you've probably got something else to do in your busy life. And um, thanks very much for your, for your time and uh, take care. Thank you, Lee. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll join us for the next episode. Remember to review, rate and subscribe. Bye for now.